anything worse than a dull blade? Well, yeah, lots of things, I guess. Poverty, war. Thinking you lost your cell phone when you're actually talking on it? Yeah, that happened to Axel. Seriously though, a dull blade is bad. It's unusable. In fact, it's downright dangerous. Knives need sharpening. From Whetstone Boys Ranch in Mountain View, Missouri comes A Time to Sharpen, a bi-weekly podcast that examines how we can all be better versions of ourselves, better teachers, better counselors, better parents, better people. So we've established there is a time to quit. We have laid the groundwork of humility and wisdom that needs to prevail in those stressful moments of conflict with our teenagers. We know that maintaining the relationship is more important than winning the battle. But what's next? What is our exit strategy? How do we drop the rope without abdicating our responsibilities as parents, teachers, and counselors? Can Chris Farley and David Spade and Tommy Boy provide us a roadmap for success? Spoiler alert, the answer is yes. Welcome back to A Time to Sharpen. This is uh, installment two of a podcast we started talking about perseverance. And we, were, we took a short break. And in the meantime, my voice kind of went out. It's, it was not a short break. It was like a week that we yeah. actually took off. So uh, in the process, I think I was exposed to some pollen or some type of allergy, allergen. Yeah, it's the season <laughs> of uh, perpetual itch, as yep. I call it here. So there's stuff flying around. There's anything yeah. and everything allergy-wise. So yeah. you probably got one of 10 billion molecules of something. Yeah, and it's so dry. It's so oh, dry. Yeah. That's not helping. Definitely. It really had a, a rain for two or three weeks. Yeah, I think. No, it's been way longer than that. I well, think we've got a couple like, almost, sprinkles. Yeah, not, you know. nothing to speak of. No. I always think of a, a rain that is substantial enough to quell the dust when a mm-hmm. car drives by. That's yeah. kind of how I measure it. Right now, it's just a cloud of dust that just lingers and settles yeah. after about 10 minutes. Yeah. And so a good heavy rain that can settle that dust is substantial right. in my book. We haven't had that in a no, while. No, we've, we've had to persevere, one might say, yes. through some difficult uh, conditions. The boys, in the meantime, have had an, uh, an adventure week uh, during a heat wave. Yeah, there's so that was tough. Some perseverance with sleeping some tent. Uh, sweaty tent, yikes, and sleeping bag in a yeah. hundred degree weather. That's pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but they were on a lake and they had a pool in the yeah. campground. So that's always helpful. I'm sure they found ways to beat the heat. For yeah. sure. But it's good to be back here with you, Brandon, uh, and to get back into this topic of when to basically is what it, what it evolved into is when to quit so we started out yeah. talking about perseverance and we ended up on when you need when 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 it's time to quit when it's time yeah. to to reset um you know drop back and punt a couple different metaphors we use um, yeah and we we used the term drop the rope drop and that's kind of where we that was it yep stopped was just it's kind of jargon i guess that we use around here and jargon. can be jargon and 
the industry with some of the <laughs> therapeutic crisis intervention training that we do here. Uh, that's a term that is used. And so I had posed that question just for some of you out there maybe who aren't familiar with that term or just to clarify that term really, what, what we mean when we say that. So maybe let's pick it up where we left off, sure. Axel, and yeah. um, I'll hand it over to you and talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I'll just kind of explain the metaphor as I understand it. We, we like metaphors around here. Whetstone is a metaphor that we use to talk about the character training that we do with the boys. But drop the rope is something that we use to describe a, a situation where you and a boy are caught in like a conflict cycle. It's just, we're both on opposite ends of this rope and we're just pulling that thing in, op in different directions. We're not making any progress. There's a stalemate. Um, we're both getting frustrated. And there comes a time when you have to be the grown-up in the room and you need to say, this is not worth fighting about. And so I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let go because uh, I want to retain that relationship. In fact, kind of loosening my grip is an attempt to, to maintain the relationship. It's not like I'm saying, you know, I've had enough with this kid. You know, I just give up and I wash my hands. Right. It's not that. It's I'm going to give him some slack. And I'm going to let him maybe get a little distance. I'm going to let him have a little more freedom. I'm going to let him, at least for a time, think, and this is the hard part, think that he's getting away with something, you know, that he's, quote, unquote, beaten me. Because that's what we've gotten into. We've gotten into a competition. And, and my competitive right. juices have kind of kicked in. And I'm like, I am not going to lose this battle with this 12, you know, 13-year-old. Um, but I have to play the long game. And I have to realize this is... Um, this is a, an endurance run, not a sprint. And I'm going to give him a little space. That's yeah. the way I look at it. Yeah. And I think that we have, you say the long game, we have that perspective, whereas a lot of times they don't. And so we do have to, to humble ourselves and get to a spot where, you know, us as, as leaders in our family and I guess leaders here with the boys that we're entrusted with, you know, we have to to be able to humble ourselves and, and know that know when when to quit. And I think of just the analogy too, or when you're working with a horse and you give when you are working with a new horse, a lot of the training techniques are you give tension until that horse gives gives in a little bit and uh and then you let go of that tension. And so there's this tension at play and it's kind of a give and take and so and when you are on the back of a horse and they say giving the horse his head is giving him don't pull back on the reins give him the reins to where it's loose and he doesn't feel bound up he feels free to do what the horse is designed to do which is go mm -hmm. and there's obviously time where we need to restrain and and direct that horse but a lot of times it's us just letting the horse do what a horse does and and go along for the ride. Um, you know, some of the analogy can break down in there, but that's what I thought about yeah. as well. well that horse just, still knows that you're there. Yes. And uh, you have to establish feel, that control. Yeah, you can still feel some pressure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think the biggest thing with the work that you do early on with a horse again as it relates to what the work the work we do here is like you're establishing a relationship 
you know, you are building trust when, when you have that tension and when he gives and you give the tension off the rope, then he knows that he did the right thing. Mm -hmm. And so you start developing this communication, this trust, and you do that day in and day out with your son or, you know, again, with this horse analogy, then you start developing trust between each other and it can be a unbelievably beautiful thing. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of Tommy Boy. No way. <laughs> it, it always goes back to the stupid humor it movies does. with it us. It does. It's, but uh, in Tommy it Boy, just... in Tommy Boy, David Spade and Chris Farley are, you know, Tom, uh, David Spade is a kind of uh, surrogate parent to, to Chris Farley. Uh, his, a sarcastic, his, uh, yeah, surrogate parent. His, uh, Chris Farley's <laughs> dad has passed away. Uh, he's been bequeathed kind of ownership of this company, this brake pad company. He's having to earn it. And David Spade's character is trying to like show him the ropes, trying to teach him, trying to get him to, I don't know, take some ownership of like literal ownership of the company yeah. and of his life and everything. He's been in college for seven years or something. And he's a lot just... of people go to college for seven years, Axel. Yeah, but he hasn't made any progress, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, they're called doctors. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a really good scene. We, we rewatched it before we, uh, before we uh, did this podcast uh, of the scene in the restaurant when he's trying to order uh, chicken wings. Chicken wings. Did I say that right? Chicken wings. Yeah. And I think David Spade's character has been, he's just exasperated with, with Chris Farley and, and he just doesn't know what to do. And he's, he's trying to, to do everything he can to control this guy who's uncontrollable. I mean, an image of someone who's a man child who cannot be controlled, who's going to do whatever he wants. That's Chris <laughs> Farley. Just close Chris your Farley. eyes and imagine Chris Farley inside uh, the controlling one of our boys. I mean, that's kind of yeah. the spirit that, that they have is like, is just exuberant, um, but just uncontrollable, untamed. And in the course of that scene, I think we could, we could maybe argue that David Spade drops the rope a little bit and, and lets Chris Farley kind of become who he is kind of on the inside, right? Instead of trying to form him into the, into what he, David Spade thinks he should be or what his dad thought he should be. He kind of lets him be himself. So let me hand it over to you. Cause you're, you're a Tommy boy expert. I'm kind of a novice when it comes <laughs> to Tommy boy. I've seen it once. I know, but not multiple times like you. So walk us through that process of, of how David Spade gets the best out of Chris Farley's character and Tommy boy in that scene. Yeah, well, you had mentioned he's so exasperated, and it's such a funny character with the two of them. They've just, the, the scene leading up to that is like they've just been through a, a, a series of, I mean, just rejection after rejection. And then they they hit this deer. I'm trying to remember that they, they put this deer in the back of the car, and it ends up coming alive. They thought it was dead. Okay, so... <laughs> It's like this deer, they're sitting there talking. And the next thing they know, they look in the rearview mirror and this deer is like comes to life. And they start screaming. The deer like rips this rag top on their car and it's just going nuts. And, you know, it's this scene where he's like, 
I've seen a lot of things in my day, <laughs> but that was awesome. <laughs> so anyway, David Spade, he gets his, his car is just wrecked. He's having to deal with like typical Chris Farley. Chris cast. Farley, he's just like all over the place, and and so David Spade is just they're they're in this cafe and they're just exhausted. They just want something to eat. David Spade orders like the shrimp cocktail because that it's, was in the glass. It's in the glass, yeah. <laughs> that shrimp cocktail that I saw in the glass. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, course farley orders he's like uh i'll take some chicken wings and so like the surly waitress comes over you tell she hates being there she's probably been there for yeah. 20 years what's her name helen helen that's right. you look like, like a helen <laughs> and she's like sorry the kitchen's closed he's like you sure the kitchen's closed i could share you some hot wings right now let me check yes it's closed and so it's just it goes through um, you know, a couple more things of dialogue, but you know, Chris Farley just ends up really being vulnerable in mm-hmm. that uh state, and he just like he's like, Helen, let me tell you why I suck as a salesman. It's just <laughs> like it just started spiraling, and he's just had it, and then so he just goes through. If you've seen the scene, it's like it's crazy. He just goes through all these gyrations and he just uses again a role as being a this like man child. Yeah, yeah, this this role is his little pretty pet and he strokes it and he's gonna poke it so anyways it's hilarious but he just really is vulnerable and it just lays it all out there to helen and this lady's like god you're sick but i'm gonna go turn the oven on for you and get you some chicken wings (laughs) and it was like you know david spade that the light went on yeah light bulb Hey, you just did a 180 on that lady. Mm-hmm. You just got her to go turn on the uh, the oven for you. Yeah. Why can't you do that with your other customers? You know, mm-hmm. that's you just just be you. Yeah. You know, you got ability to to read people. So it was uh, it was like this. I guess again a light bulb where he saw something in Tommy Boy that he he talks about. He had street smarts and he yeah. he called that out. He's like, you know what? Right. Book smarts waved bye-bye to you a long time ago. But you have street smarts, and that's what it takes. That's what your dad had. He could read people. Right. And so I think the point that we're trying to get at is we get to a point where we're exhausted with our kids. We're exhausted with working with the boys. They have they have an uncanny ability to just exhaust every ounce of energy out of us and push our buttons and it's easy to just throw our hands up and to just focus on all the negative. But perseverance, as we're talking about it with this episode, really is required to find the good out of our sons and to really focus on that and lead them through that. Call that out right? and just say, look, man, you got street smarts or as it you know, with this whatever analogy, talent they have, you recognize talent, it, you affirm it. Yeah. You catch, we like to say we catch them doing something good. Exactly. Right. You can't you can't wait for them to do something to pay them a compliment. You have to actively look for it and then when you find it, affirm it, reward it, call it out. Not fake. You know, they can smell fake. Teenagers yeah. are, are really, really good at that. But be aware of what they're doing good. You know, yep. and, and instead of focusing on their faults, it's so easy as a parent with a teenager to just think about, Oh, I gotta I only have a short amount of time where I need to work on my son's character or yeah. my daughter's 
yeah. weaknesses, you know, and, and I'm going to send her out into the world without a necess- without the necessary knowledge or training or instruction. That's scary. And so we get overly fixated on those things and forget to see the good. Um, another metaphor we use, this is a bit crass, but we like to say, sometimes you just have to put a, a bow on a turd, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have to frame something. And this, I, I know I'm kind of blurring the lines, maybe speaking on both sides of my mouth when I say this, but there are, there are situations where things are just so far gone where uh, there, there isn't really a whole lot of good. The things have become so toxic and corrosive. You're just trying to turn it around. And mm-hmm. you, you have to like, pull out all the stops in, in that case. And even though something might wasn't good, it wasn't as bad as some of the other stuff. And so you, you start the process of building that relationship by just taking a turd, yeah. something that's not that great, and just putting a bow on it and saying, hey, you know what? I saw you trying there. And yeah. maybe it was a fail, mm-hmm. but it was, it was, it was different. Yeah. You know, and different is good. We say that too. And uh, just put a bow on that and then uh, call, it, call it good, call it a win, and, and look for the next one. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I find myself in this zone a lot just with trying to sharpen the character of of young men, it's like you're always in that zone of looking to sharpen, which is, it's not bad, but what ends up happening is like, you're always in this Bench correction mode. mode and you're yeah. always, yeah. And you know, to be honest with you, there's had situation last night, um, with my kids, specifically my son that was, you know, I had to end up dropping the rope. It was, Something to where, you know, we were trying to, they got home from VBS late last night and we were talking about everything and how it went and which was great, but then ended up being like around 10 o'clock mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, let's, uh, it's time to cut the chatter, time right. to wind down and, <laughs> and get to bed. And it ended up being like three times I said this and yeah. like there was no movement. Right. And and it got to be to where, you know, and I was getting tired and then it started to be where I was just like hounding each of the kids, go brush your teeth, go get in bed, go do this. And I had told Will, pick up your shoes. And then I walk into the room and he's sitting there playing with like one of these puzzles. And I'm just like, why are you not in bed? You know, and if I told just you like, once, I've told you a thousand times. Yeah, you know, and then I if you pull it out had gotten out. on to him earlier about like I had wanted him to sand the house, and and he did sand part of the house that we were restaining some of our house, and uh, and he got a decent amount done, but he only worked like thirty minutes. Yeah, and so I just got on to him. I was like, man, I appreciate you doing that, and but you could have easily at least put an hour and a half to two hours into it. You right. know, I don't expect you to work all day. But my point is that he had heard there was like three or four, maybe five different things that I had gotten on to him for about just like, do this, do that. Why didn't you do this? And then all of a sudden he just lost it. And I'm just like, what's the deal? Like what? Mm-hmm. And then he was just like, you got on to me for this. You got on to me for that. And you said, go to your room. I'm in my room. And I don't know. And basically he just kind of got upset and just didn't know what I was expecting out of him. And so I just had to reel back and just be like, I had to drop the rope and realize that, you know what, Will, you're right. I'm tired 
and I want to go to bed. I didn't feel like there was a lot of movement with the other kids, with any of you guys when I first asked you. And so it was just, it ended up being a good conversation, but I had to be vulnerable and say, you know what? I handled that wrong. Uh, I am frustrated and I want to, I want you to understand why I'm frustrated, but mm-hmm. I do understand how that came across. And we had a good conversation and, uh, and it was only, you know, five or five or six minutes, uh, but we were able to resolve some things, but it required me to at least say, you know what? I didn't handle that right. Right. So you had to create a little bit of space in the relationship where some of those walls could come down. Some of that tension could be released and you could both relax, have a conversation, kind of get some stuff out that was unspoken, maybe some expectations that you had, maybe that were, he didn't fully understand or, yeah. Yeah, because he had just, he was mad and pulled the covers over his head mm-hmm. and was just like, I'm not, I don't, you know, just was upset about all that. Yeah. And so I just kind of hung out in the, the room and just started talking you know my tone changed right again i was a little bit vulnerable and then he took the covers off and it just like you said it was a slow change to just yeah. give him some space to know that there it was a safe place to talk dad's not going to be mm-hmm. you know barking down my neck and then yeah you have to create that yeah and, and never underestimate the power of silence in those situations too not, not like the silent treatment silence yeah you know stone cold silence but just some space in the conversation you know where we're not just firing back at each other you know i'm just thinking about what i'm going to say i'm not really listening right, right? so taking a, a deep breath uh, and just giving a little time to for your mind to kind of catch up with what's going on and, and to let him see that maybe you're working through some stuff and listening. It, it also brings up an interesting point. As you were talking about this conflict that you had with Will last night, I, I, was, I was thinking back to last night because I was at VBS. I was volunteering at, at the uh, VBS in Pomona. And... I just remember seeing him working in the kitchen and I'm like, wow, that's great. Will's here participating in VBS. He's a little too old maybe to do, I'm guessing because he's going to seventh grade, right? Mm -hmm. So he can't be with, I think it's fifth grade and under and doing all of the the fun kid stuff, but he's still here. He's volunteering. Uh, He was doing dishes and things like that. And I'm like, Hey, that's great. You know, so I was, I was seeing the good in him and that's probably not something that went through your mind maybe as you were adding up all the things that he did wrong. You're like, you know, one of the things he really did good tonight was he did VBS right. and he had a good attitude and he wasn't complaining and everything. And so my point in saying that is that we have to have other uh, men and women uh, in our lives who can see the good things in our kids and, and who can remind us that uh, there's a lot of good stuff going on that, that they're just not seeing because... Uh, in my experience with teenagers is just those, those best things about your kids during those years, for some reason, you don't, you don't get to see them. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm really jealous of some of, uh, some of what you get to see and what, what, what Ty gets to see and Jeremy gets to see. And I hear other things about my kids and how great they are. I'm like, you know, that's, that's really good to hear because (laughs) I haven't seen that kid in several months. (laughs) I don't know where he went or where she went. Um, but I need that reminder and, uh, we just, we need each other. We need community, uh, to, to kind of remind us of those things. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we talk about with our staff 
also as it relates to this story is just checking yourself where you're at before you uh, talk to your sons or, you know, just with our boys, depending on where, um, where they're at. And when we come to work, just so we kind of know what we're bringing to the table. And so as I'm thinking back and I, you know, when we were talking last night, I was already frustrated a little bit just because I had taken some time off work and to do some of this work and you just never get done what you want you have planned to do. And so just, there's always this lagging frustration that I wanted to have that work done anyways. Mm -hmm. And so those are things that exacerbated my frustration is like, Oh, Will had two hours. He could be easily put two hours of work in, but he only did 30 minutes and we could have been so much further along and just, I want to get this job done. And that's, you know, so it's like, my point is just know what you're bringing to the table and at least be observant of that because those things really play into how we uh, just transfer those those thoughts to how we deal with our sons right. uh, and daughters. Yeah. Drop the rope. Drop um, the rope. Something I, I thought about too is like, you know, maybe sometimes it's not it's not so much a rope as it is like a bungee cord, you know, yeah. <laughs> especially with teenagers. Right. Some of the... Uh, the extremes, uh, yeah. with the emotions, and and the distance that they need, and then also the the the, the leadership and the the parenting that they need. You, you can't afford to let them go mm-hmm. too far away, but but you have to let them go away sometimes. And so it's really more of like this uh, very elastic kind of thing. The hard, like fast, this, flexible. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think we may have mentioned that, but I don't know if we go into detail about that. But yeah, that's a helpful um, oxymoron. I guess right. we said. we've written about it on a pod, uh, a blog, mm-hmm. which I should mention. We have a blog on our website. Yeah. If if you enjoy some of these discussions, you might you might enjoy reading some of those blogs because they, they talk about some similar issues with parenting and teaching and counseling, and what happens here at the ranch. But one of them is called hard fast hard fast flexible, and this is a, a term that we use around here a lot to just describe the need to have boundaries and rules and limits, um, but the need for those things to be flexible also so it's like i said a paradox that you have to not shy away from you have to get in there and it's messy and you you don't know where those lines are but you know they're there so you have to keep your son and daughter are trying to find them too they're trying to find out where that limit is and and everything so bungee cord yeah it's a great analogy hard fast flexible you think about the bungee cord it's just the tension that is it just goes away from each other but if you let go of that the bungee cord comes back mm-hmm. and that's often what it takes as we talked about you know my discussion with will and we have to come back to them we have to have the the end game perspective we have to know from a leadership humility standpoint that it's up to us to to come back to them and be humble and and repair that relationship and figure that out some things are going to work better than others, but that's part of that give and take process of working, working out what works with each of your kids. They're all different, you know. Some yeah. something's going to work with one uh, kid that doesn't with the other, and yeah. it just it requires work to figure. I like that the out. bungee bungee cord analogy too, because of the, the. I've never actually been bungee jumping. I have once. I, I assumed you had. You, you're adventure kind of guy living out in Colorado and everything. Uh, I've always looked at it and thought it was fun, but never actually done it. But 
I know that when you do it, you, you get in a harness, right? And yep. there are all kinds of safety maneuvers mm-hmm. and things like that. And I think that is a good good image when we think about parenting. Like we have to make sure our kids are safe. That's like number one. Mm-hmm. They're not going to learn anything if they're dead, right? I mean, yeah. they have to be safe. So, um, but but there's there's a lot of flexibility within that within that uh, term of what it means to be safe. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a hundred percent safety. Like people die bungee jumping there are accidents yeah everybody always says safety first well no we don't live that way right and so (laughs) there's a certain amount of risk that we accept but it's not unreasonable risk yeah and we have to be uh willing to enjoy uh life and and take some risks and do some fun stuff and uh i think that's i like i like that yeah and it's a beautiful thing it's like very exciting if you've ever been bungee jumping i mean Mm -hmm. it's a pretty incredible thing once you hit that first spot the lowest spot and you know okay the rope held you know i'm safe (laughs) then it's almost like okay i can be free to enjoy the ride and it's like you've established that relationship and um and you know there's going to be ups and downs as with any relationship but you're secure in knowing that um my dad loves me my parents love me I'm, i'm i'm secure in that relationship there's trust that's built there and so that could be that's a beautiful thing yeah yeah, and there are a lot of programs that uh, like ours that incorporate ropes courses and high ropes and low corps and uh, rope low, low ropes, ropes course. And uh, I'm sure they play a lot with those those metaphors and everything. Yeah. Um, well, I think we're at a good stopping point here, Brandon. Um, not quite. Not quite. Not quite. You got more to I, say? Well, I think we need to correct the record oh, of something thank that was you said. For bringing it up. Yes. Um, from the first podcast, <laughs> and let me just go ahead and I'm going to gloat just a little bit over You'll do this. a little victory lap a little here. victory lap, just because if you guys know Axel, he's probably got, he's probably forgot about more baseball knowledge and facts than I've ever known in my life. <laughs> but there was a reference made to a 3-0 and victory that uh, Boston Red Sox came back from and beat the Yankees in, was that 0? Oh, okay, 2004. Yeah, Red Sox came back from And uh, I had said 3-0, and Axel had said, I think it was 3-1. Yeah. And so after the podcast, I think, I'm pretty sure it was 3-0, but I'm not 100%. <laughs> and anyways, I'm taking my victory lap yeah. because it was, they came back from 3-0, and that never they happened. Did. It was it was epic, right. uh, and I don't know why I, I got confused. I was thinking it was the... The Cavs and the Warriors in uh, 2016, I think LeBron came back from from three one, and I got it mixed in my head. So yeah, um, uh, let's I definitely let's correct that for the record because <laughs> the Red Sox need the credit. Yes, and, uh, yeah, LeBron gonna... James gets enough credit. We don't need yeah. to give him any more credit than than he already gets. So of all the uh, all the thousands of listeners James. out there, then and the, the Tens of thousands of Boston Red Sox fans that listened to that last podcast, they <laughs> right. were just They'd absolutely... They'd probably been done with the podcast after that. Like, I so can't trust to, this guy. We had to correct he the record. Know that the Red Sox came back from 3-0. He can't know anything about it. can't know anything. <laughs> well, thanks for bringing that so, up, Brandon. Yeah. Uh, that, that did need to be corrected, and uh, I apologize for that mistake. To Red, uh, I apologize to Red Sox Nation. So, <laughs> please, please forgive us. Come back and listen to our next podcast. Yes. Uh, we do these once every two weeks. We try to. We, we're not good enough yet to say we're going to drop it on Thursday at 7 o'clock. Or right. But we're doing it about twice a month, and uh, we're going to get better at this, and uh, we're really enjoying it. We appreciate you listening, and uh, we look forward to coming to you next time. Very good. Sharpen. 
All right. All right Take man. care. Ciao. Whetstone Boys Ranch is a therapeutic boarding school located in the scenic Ozarks of Southern Missouri. It was founded in 2011 to serve families from around the country who are struggling with challenging behaviors from their 12 to 16 year old sons. Our mission is to sharpen the character of young men. Please visit whetstoneboysranch.com if you want to learn more about our program or about how to contact us for help. Thanks for listening and we hope to catch you next time on A Time to Sharpen.